we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Well, good morning, Ascents. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it is so good to be with you on today. Listen, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, I know it's already been said, but I just got to make mention also of the fathers in the room and father figures. Happy Father's Day to you all. If you're new here also, thank you for being here. Welcome. Everybody that's watching online, shout out to you for being here as well, um, including my own dad. John got his out the way, but I got to shout my dad out as also. Uh, Mark Cox, there is no me without you, Pops, and I just want to say happy Father's Day to you. You are sincerely my superhero. Yes, I really appreciate you for all the ways that you have been present and the things that you have overcome. So happy Father's Day to you, Dad. Um, today is an exciting day that we get to do this and we get to jump into an amazing topic today. Uh, before I jump into that topic, though, I got to shout out the brother who made me a father. Uh, today, my wife is going to be here on the front row with our baby boy by the name of O'Shea. And so to Father's Day for me, I brought a picture of me and my little man. Yeah, fatherhood has been awesome. Getting a little more sleep these days. I got one more of my little man. And yeah, that boy is gorgeous. I got to say, I know God played a role, but me and Aisha, we did that. I mean, that boy is gorgeous. Oh, man, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, today is an amazing time that we get to lean into Father's Day, but also uh, like we mentioned, celebration of Juneteenth. Um, but today, I actually get to lean into a particular topic um, and enter into a territory that I'm well aware is not typical for a Sunday morning here at Ascent. Today, my message in my sermon is focused towards men. Now, ladies, hold on. I understand that I'm going to speak to men today, but I believe we're all going on a journey. My hope is that as we go on a journey while men are sitting shotgun in the passenger seat, my hope is that we all end up in the same place. My hope is that this is a gospel that every single person, no matter who you are, that we can cling on to the good news of Jesus. But I do have to be honest that my aim and my focus is towards men. Uh, this is not going to be something that is popular in 2023 to say, especially in the times that we live in, but I have to make mention of it, especially when it comes to men and women. And I know all of you are wondering what I'm about to say, because anytime you set up something like, oh, I'm about to say something crazy, I'm about to say something that's going to get me canceled. It's going to be something that's crazy. Where's Bill? I know Bill's in the room. Bill, don't worry. I know you're squirming in your seat. It's all good. I'm not going to say nothing crazy. Not today, at least. Uh, but I have to make mention that uh, this moment that we're leaning into this topic of uh, pressing towards a focus, a sermon towards men, I got to just say that sometimes, men, we get the short end of the stick. Let me make a few uh, notes. Let me just bring this point home just a little bit for you. Uh, Hallmark cards sell more cards on St. Patrick's Day than they do on Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go right now to Safeway to go get a Father's Day card, and we're going to be sharing a section with graduates. Now, let it be Mother's Day. They get a whole section. They get a whole section. It's all pink and all, you know, with jewels and all sorts of different things. Uh, 
Men, sometimes we get the short end of the stick. Right now, you can go to any brunch spot, walk right in with no wait line. Ain't nobody taking us out. Yeah, ain't nobody taking us out. Let's be real. Uh, Men, sometimes you get the short end of the stick. I just got to make mention of it. We got technical difficulties today. That didn't happen on Mother's Day. You know what I mean? What, what, what's up with that? What's up with that, man? Today, we lean into a particular topic because I think that this is going to be important for all of us. And while I made mention of making sure, ladies, you stay in the conversation also, fellas, I want to make mention for you as well. Because if you've grown up in church, many of you, if not most of you, these Sundays can be one of two things. In a typical way, it'll turn into a beat beat men up Sunday. We get men in the room and then we tell them that you suck and that you're nothing, and that you're broken. That's not today's message, nor do I believe that is the good news of Jesus. On the other hand, while it's not beat men up Sunday, it's also not beat our chest Sunday. And some sort of macho, machismo, uh, shoot shotguns and ride big trucks and call that masculinity. Uh, If that's your thing, that's your thing. It's all good. But today, my hope is, watch this, that we can uplift brothers biblically and spiritually. Yeah, fellas, I just want to put my arm around you and let you know that you're loved, that you are seen, and that you are valued. That's today's hope. That's today's message on this morning. The way that we're going to get there is by a brother by the name of Paul. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to find ourselves. And Philippians chapter 2, just to make a little context, bring a little context to this, uh, Paul is a brother writing about another brother named Jesus. And he is in prison writing a letter to the church of Philippi. Paul is a tent maker from a city by the name of Tarsus. And as he's writing this letter from prison, I don't have time to break it down, but uh, he writes four chapters, but in a particular way, uh, there is a chiastic literary genre in which he writes, which simply means that he is writing in a way where at the middle of the letter is the climactic moment of the letter. Is that the main emphasis of the letter? And there is a particular posture that Jesus has in this moment that Paul is writing about that Jesus has that I think is going to be important for every single one of us in the room today. Today, I'm going to start with verse 5. Verse 5 says these words in Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude. Some translations say have this mind in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Watch this, verse 7, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being made in the likeness of mankind. Being found in the appearance of a man, watch this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 7 in another translation says, Jesus poured himself out. Uh, This is where we get a Greek term and concept called kenosis. Uh, Kenosis is a self-emptying. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus poured himself out. Uh, Brothers, for the next few moments, I want to preach from the sermon title, The Man Who Pours Out. The Man Who Pours Out. I believe today is a time where there needs to be a message towards men that uplifts men from a gospel and a biblical perspective. 
And as Paul is writing this particular letter, he is leaning into a countercultural idea of what it means for a man to live in this way of pouring himself out. Why pour ourselves out? Well, that's going to be the question that I answer today. Before I jump all the way in, let me take a moment and pray. God, would you be with us in this moment like we already know you are? And as you're speaking to all of us, I specifically want to point towards men this morning that what it means to pour out is to what it means to live like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's a famous TV show uh, by the name of Hoarders. Some of you have seen and probably heard of the TV show called Hoarders. Uh, This TV show features true stories about people with compulsions so strong that they can't let go of their stuff. One episode focused on a middle-aged hoarder by the name of Phyllis. Her house was so cluttered with baby dolls and other belongings that she had to crawl over garbage to get to the recliner that she sat in to sleep and eat. Another episode told the story of a man who has collected such large stash of games and action figures and novelties that he's nearly impossible to move throughout his home. Yet another episode featured a automobile lover who collected all sorts of junkyard cars and now has a bill of $20 million that he has to pay towards the city. Most people who watch this show have the same reaction. They can't believe that people will allow the stuff in their life to be the thing that self-sabotages them and their loved ones. Why a message towards men focused on pouring out? Well, I got to be honest. I think sometimes, brothers, we have a hoarding problem. Uh, We become professional stuffers in life. We begin to take circumstances in life and we start to just stuff it. And we begin to hold it. This is the whole thing when it comes to therapy, right? When people go to therapy or they go to a Christian counselor, they have you address some of the stuff that you haven't addressed. This morning, when we talk about pouring out, I believe there is a call for men to live in a way that they consistently find themselves before God, casting our cares on him. Because men, we have a way of holding things. We have a way about ourselves that begins to put on a mask and begin to keep things in. There's a way about us that sometimes we don't talk about our problems. Yeah, you know, in our culture, to be a man, we don't talk about that. Leave that alone, uh, figure it out, and you'll get through it by yourself. But there's a different way that Jesus is calling us to live because To hoard is to not live in the way of Jesus. Now, somebody asked me as I was kind of discussing this particular topic of how men hoard and how men stuff things in. Sometimes we walk around and we're so constipated that God is calling us to bring things to the foot of the cross. And I was talking with somebody and the question was asked of me, why a sermon towards men? why a sermon towards men. I understand that as I am taking on this preaching task, while I'm excited about it, 
I understand that not all men are the same. That right now in this room, there is a variety of us. There is not one type of man. There's not one monolith of a man. There are people under the sound of my voice right now, men in this room. Some of us listen to country music. And other of us listen to R&B and hip hop. Uh, There is some of us in the room that grew up with TV dads like Archie Bunker. Some of us grew up with Uncle Phil. Some of us grew up watching certain things and other of us didn't have TV at all. There are some of us under the sound of my voice right now, men that are Nuggets fans. I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out. That was your cue. All right, all right. And then there's the rest of us. That was your cue. You won, I get it. But we are not a monolith. There are men under the sound of my voice. Let's go ahead and go deeper because when talking to men, not only do we need to uplift, but there has to be some sort of challenge. Let's be real because a lot of times in church, we can't get real. There's men under the sound of my voice right now that are encouraged this morning. There's men under the sound of my voice that are discouraged this morning. There's men under the sound of my voice that are coming in and their marriage is falling apart. There's some men in this room who feels as if life can't get no better with their marriage. There's men in this room right now who are employed, and there's men in this room right now who are suffering from unemployment. There's men in this room right now who are financially well off, and there is others of the people of men in this room who are living paycheck to paycheck. There's men in this room who at some point this week is going to be caught in the grips of pornography again. There's some men in this room that are struggling with suicide ideation. There's men under the sound of my voice who are on the top of life and things are well, and they are living for the moment, and there are others who are in the room who are living for legacy, making sure that their last name carries on. There's men in this room who are struggling. And there's men in this room who feel as if life is going well. The question was asked why a sermon focused towards men. Well, I believe it's time for us to pour out. No matter where you are in whatever stage of life that you're in, the text this morning is calling us to live a life that consistently pours out. Men, when is the last time you had a kenosis moment? You had a emptying of yourself. I was reading a particular book and the book was talking about how sometimes we are so caught up in trying to figure out the skills and the image of what manhood looks like that we don't have an abandonment to Christ. Fellas, can I tell you what masculinity looks like? It looks like pouring out. Masculinity is when you fall to your knees and you're praying on behalf of your spouse. You wanna know what masculine is? Do you wanna know what manhood looks like? It is when a man takes on the accountability and says that I'm not going to live life by myself because I'm not no good by just being by myself. Living in the way of Jesus means that we do not just find our way through life and just scurry through life, but we actually 
find ourselves pouring out? When's the last time you prayed not only on behalf of your family, but on behalf of the burdens of your city? You wanna know what manhood looks like? It's coming home dead, tired, but still showing up for your kids. You wanna know what manhood looks like? Fellas, I wanna uplift you and let you know that Jesus shows us a posture of pouring out. How awesome is it that we get Jesus to be our picture? Because what Paul is doing in this moment is he's actually drawing our attention to two people. And not only is it Jesus, but it's Adam. You've heard of Adam before. Adam, Sunday school, quick lesson. He's in the garden with Eve. This serpent comes, offers Eve a fruit, quick Bible study. It's not an apple, it's a fruit. We don't, you know, just make sure that you're biblically correct. It was a fruit, offers Eve a fruit. In that moment, Eve takes this fruit and Adam also is there, silent and passive. And in this moment, he takes the fruit also. Why do I bring this up for us this morning? Because what the correlation that Paul is making between Paul and, excuse me, between Jesus and Adam is that Adam took and Jesus poured out. Let me read for you verse six. It says, uh, he existed in the form of God, but he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be taken. Adam sees a moment that his eyes are going to be opened and he's going to be like God. And he says, yes. And he reaches for that. Fellas in the room, where are we reaching where we should be pouring? Where are we taking and God is calling us to pour out? Maurice, what does grasping for equality look like in 2023? I'm so glad that you asked. Anytime we act as God in our lives, where we sit on the throne of our lives, there's a popular movie by the name of Bruce Almighty. Some of you might have seen Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey, one of my favorite actors. Uh, Bruce Almighty, uh, he is playing the role of God. Well, actually God, Morgan Freeman, that's a good God. Voice sounds just like God, I would assume. Morgan Freeman is playing God and he gives over the privileges of God to Bruce, which is Jim Carrey and he gets to play God. And in the beginning it's fun and he gets to do all the things that he wants to do and drive fast cars and there's no traffic and all of these things. And it gets to a point where he says, I don't want to be God anymore. What does grasping for equality with God look like? in 2023, let me challenge you fellas, it's when we live a life with no prayer. To have a life that we live and there is no prayer involved in our day-to-day -day living is to go about life saying, I got this. You do know those were the last words of a great king who fell far from the kingdom was I got this. Anytime we get to a place where we start to think, I got this, is a dangerous place. When we have no dependence on God, we are living in a way that says, I got this. I gotta be honest with you, 
I find myself having these moments going weeks without talking with God. And I feel as if I can figure it out and I feel like I can fi- get things together and I can get my home together and then I can get this together and I got this and I'm running around and I'm doing all these things and I feel so busy and there's this thing that's taking place within me. When you live a life with no prayer and no dependence, you're saying, God, I got this. You're actually reaching for equality with God when you put yourself on the throne that only God is supposed to have find myself sometimes running into this and I can run my life into the ground because I don't, it doesn't, I don't wake up to this moment until I come to crashing. I don't wake up to this moment until I have to sit down with my wife and I got to say, babe, I'm facing it again. This, This struggle is coming up again. I don't know where. And then she, like only God does, speaks through her, says, how have you been when it comes to prayer? How have you been when it comes to pouring out, relying on not just yourself? See, sometimes I think we can get caught up in a rhythm and life will get the best of us. And to live with no dependence on God is to reach for equality with God. Fellas, where are you reaching and you should be pouring? Reaching for God is when we are neglecting our community. Adam reached to be like God when he said, I don't need a small group. Adam reached for equality with God when he decided he didn't need any sort of mentorship or accountability in his life. Adam reached for equality with God when he showed up to work and heard some inappropriate statements happening. Instead of speaking up, he stayed silent. Where are we reaching to be equal with God where we should be pouring out. There is an abandonment to our lives that God is calling us towards. And what happens when this takes place? I believe when we become empty, when we empty ourselves, when we pour ourselves out, Maurice, well, why would I wanna live life on empty? Again, I'm so glad you asked. Why would I want to live life on empty? I was sitting in seminary class a couple uh, months ago, and as I was sitting in seminary class, the professor started to talk about Genesis, and we were unpacking Genesis, and we're going through all of this Genesis story, and there's all these things, and we're having like, you know, class debates, and we're going through all these doctrinal statements, and we're going through, you know, do you guys believe that this is real? Do you believe this is literal? Do you believe this is poetry? And like, we're diving into it, and we're going through all these things. And the professor starts to talk about Genesis 1, uh, because a particular student in the class asked, okay, But if there was nothing, then how did something come out of nothing? Like if God was there, but there was nothing, like he started to ask this question and the particular, and the the, the professor said, well, there is a Latin term called ex nihilo. And ex nihilo simply means out of nothing or from nothing. There is an entire doctrinal statement around God creating out of nothing. He spoke and there was. He said, let there be light and there was light. Why do I bring this up this morning? Because when the professor said ex nihilo, uh, the Holy Spirit jumped inside of me. I said, that'll preach right there. Because out of nothing, God does some of his best transformative and redemptive work. 
Fellas, when it comes to pouring out, I believe we pour out because God works when it comes to nothing and darkness. The man that pours out is the man that God pours into. And when we get to a place in our life where we get to step aside and not be the God of our lives and we pour our lives out, I believe that God begins to work a miracle in our lives. God begins to do some transforming work in our life. Maurice, how do you know this? I'm so glad you asked. When we look at the life of Abraham and Sarah, have you ever wondered why God would wait until they are upwards of 90 years old and then say, I'm now going to bless a nation through you? Have you ever wondered why God would wait till Joseph is abandoned from family, is facing rejection, thrown in prison, and then says, I want to use you? Have you ever wondered why God would allow Moses to be on the run from a murder charge and running from his problems? And he is also a man that has a stuttering problem. And then God meets him and says, I want to use you. Have you ever wondered why God would allow a man by the name of Daniel to be facing fire and then God show up in a fiery furnace? Have you ever wondered why God would use a teenage girl to bring forth the savior of this world by the name of Mary? Have you ever wondered why God would use a man by the name of Paul who killed and persecuted people who were Christians and then on the road to Damascus says, I now want to use you. I believe it's because God does redemptive and transformative work when we are empty, when we are to the end of ourself, when we are no more full of ourselves, but we are now poured out before God. I believe God does his best work when we are empty. Have you ever wondered why God would use a young brother from California? who since the age of 13 struggled with all sorts of insecurities. And God one day calls him, two parents born in from Compton, California, parents grew up in a LA drug infested prostitution gang wars area. They overcome that and God says, I want to use you. That young brother is me. And I wonder sometimes, God, how could you use me? And I believe God looks at me and says, when your life is empty, is when I do my best work. This morning, fellas, I simply wanna make it very plain and clear that when we pour out, God pours in. That we have to watch our posture. And the same God, the same God who did it for Adam, the same God who redeemed the story of Joseph, the same God who redeemed the story of Abraham and Daniel is the same God that's going to work in our lives. When we pour out, God pours in. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Because I can hear in this moment that there is a struggle sometimes when we hoard and then when we stuff things down and yet God is calling us to empty ourselves. Throughout the entire biblical narrative, God shows up when we get empty. So the question is, how frequently are you getting empty? How are you finding yourself pouring out before God? That same verse says it was Jesus through humble humility and obedience. 
This is, can only happen when we become humble and we become obedient to the cross. I grew up with a Baptist grandmother and I can hear her in this moment saying, Maurice, every Baptist ends with the resurrection. And I believe we see it plain and clear that the power of the cross is in this passage this morning. And the power of the cross is in our lives this morning because God did his greatest work through an empty tomb. And the empty tomb was just an opportunity for God to show up. How many opportunities are we placing before God to show up in our life, to be the God of our life? The same God who did it for them is the same God who's gonna do it for us. Fellas, would you get empty? Would you pour out this morning? Would you find yourself in some sort of prayer time? Would you find yourself driving down the street where nobody is listening and tears just come to your eyes? I don't know, maybe you're a crier, maybe you're not. But I believe there's moments in your life where God is longing for you to become empty, longing for you to pour out. How often are we pouring out? How frequently are we pouring out? That is the question this morning. And when we become humble, when we become obedient, fellas, stop saying that you're gonna do it. I talk with many men and I walk with many fellas and sometimes it's this thing where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. And I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna eventually, you know what, I'm gonna jump in, I, I, I do need to get in therapy, I'm gonna eventually do that. I do need to get in a group, a small group. Yeah, I do need men in my life, I, I, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, a mentor would be a blessing in my life, I, I'm going to. At some point we have to be obedient and we have to. It's nothing but the power of the cross that helps us overcome the things that we face. Maurice, how do I get past this? Maurice, how do I face this? How do I get over this? This past is chasing me. This traumatic experience is going through my life. I can't figure it out. Can I just let you know that there is still power in the cross? I know that's simple and I know that sometimes we try to jazz it up and we try to make it cute and we try to make it, you know, really palatable. But I just got to let you know that Jesus paid it all. And because the posture of Jesus was to pour out and to empty himself, we now can live a life where we are full of Jesus. We are full of the Holy Spirit. When we pour out, Jesus pours in. Would you pray with me? God, there are people, men and women under the sound of my voice right now, holding on to things, stuffing things down, fighting their way through life. Would you allow us to have a moment where we come to the end of ourselves? Would you allow us to have some sort of awakening, some sort of opened eyes where we see it's time to pour out. Would you not let time go by where we just become hoarders? For the sake of our soul and for the sake of those that are around us, it's time to pour out. Meet us in this moment as we empty ourselves before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.